It's time for the Diamond in the Rough podcast with your hosts, Dan Collins. They were sitting around the campfire or the fireplace. And Sam Ostrowski. Can you imagine if we did live shows? Diamond in the Rough podcast, episode 20. Sam Ostrowski flying solo for this one today. Dan Collins couldn't be with me today, unfortunately. That's okay. We'll hear from him later, of course, as always, and all his takes about what went down yesterday. My goodness, it was trade central. We are not at the trade deadline just yet. We're about two weeks away, but the trades are already flying out there. Teams are already trying to get players to help them make playoff pushes. Meanwhile, other teams like the Chicago White Sox are trying to rebuild and get that farm system as good as they can. So let's start right there. Or first, let me tell you about this. The first trade that went down was between the Arizona Diamondbacks and the Detroit Tigers that sent J.D. Martinez over to the over to the Diamondbacks rather in exchange for three infield prospects Dawel Lugo who's ranked 4th on the Diamondbacks prospect list Sergio Alcantara and Jose King again all corner infielders third base shortstops but we're going to get to that later because this episode you thought you were only going to hear my beautiful voice but you're also going to hear an interview with Greg Moore Greg Moore writer for the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. He was nice enough to join me to talk about the J.D. Martinez trade, so I'll, I'll, let the, I'll let him do most of the talking there. You'll hear that interview in just a few minutes between him and I and what he thinks about the trade and where the Diamondbacks stand uh, moving forward and trying to pass the Dodgers in the West and trying to make a playoff run because they're sure a, a hell of a good team. But let's take it back real quick. The trade that happened after that later in the day was between the Chicago White Sox and the New York Yankees rather the New York Yankees and the Boston Red Sox in a duel to go get Todd Frazier go get the rental that is Todd Frazier along with David Robertson and Tommy Canely who arguably in my opinion is the best part of this deal for the Yankees so that's the deal it's those three heading to New York in exchange for Blake Rutherford top prospect 30 overall on the MLB pipeline if you want to take it to that and they also go along with that Ian Clarkin who is the 17th if I'm not mistaken best prospect in the New York Yankees system the left-hander and Tito Polo and they take Tyler Clippard as well Uh, that's more of just a money thing the Yankees are going to eat all of the contracts of the White Sox players going over there including David Robertson who is owed about 18 million more dollars the former Yankee now is a current Yankee once again. And meanwhile, the White Sox are going to have to eat the Tyler Clippard contract and use him instead of Tommy Canely. And we know if if you haven't seen it, Tyler Clippard's been pretty bad this year. <laughs> he's, he's had, he has a good track record. Um, he's performed pretty well in the past, but unfortunately he's had a rough time this year. Uh, we'll see if he could do anything with the White Sox because he'll hit the Major League roster right away. Meanwhile, the other guys will not, including Blake Rutherford. That's who I want to kind of target here right now. The White Sox do it again. Rick Hahn and company. We were just talking about them. The trade with the Cubs. They got Eloy Jimenez and Dylan Cease, but here they are now getting another top name, Blake Rutherford. He was drafted last year in 2016, 18th overall, and he's a talented guy. Uh, I mean, there's a reason he's on this list. A lot of people believe that he might be a little high on the MLB pipeline list just because he was drafted last year. Uh, he's only 20 years old, but I get it. I understand why he's that high already because he's a five-tool player. He's a guy that's all around. He's a good fielder. He's mainly a center fielder, but he could play the corner outfields if you need him to. 
Um, and he hits for power and contact. Right now, let's go over his stats right now. On uh, single-A Charleston with the Ch Charleston River Dogs, rather, in 71 games, he has 77 hits, two homers, 30 RBIs, 20 doubles, two triples, a 281 average, and a 342 on base percentage to go along with 55 strikeouts, nine stolen bases, and 30 walks. When I think of this guy, the first thing I think of is this is a guy who always comes into the batter's box looking to swing. He's not going to be a guy that strikes out a lot. He's also not going to be a guy that walks a lot necessarily. So that's why you see his on-base percentage is pretty good, 342. Uh, but it's not going to be anything outstanding because he's looking more so to get a hit more than anything. He kind of reminds me, not as a full package, but purely as a hitter, is Brandon Phillips. Brandon Phillips is a guy that goes up, he hits for average, and he's looking to make contact at all times. That's what you could expect out of this guy, Blake Rutherford. He's going to go into the batter's box for the White Sox every time, and he's going to, he's going to make contact. He's got a good eye on the ball. Uh, not many pitchers can punch him out. So that's, for a 20-year-old, that's very rare to find in a 20-year-old. So that's what I really like about him, and to go with the fact that he's not a bad fielder. Um, I would honestly say he's probably average all around there, and he's not going to be a superstar. I don't want you getting this confused. The White Sox did not just trade for a superstar like they're hoping in someone like Eloy Jimenez or Yoan Moncada, who, by the way, if you haven't heard, with the departure of Todd Frazier, the fan favorite, Yoan Moncada is on his way up, which is super exciting. We finally get to see the number one prospect overall in the nation, up to the pros for the first time this season. He got a glimpse of it last year with the Red Sox, but this year he has yet to wear a White Sox uniform during the regular season, and he finally gets to do so. So look out, world. Yoan Mankata is here. The future is here, White Sox. He's going to go through his struggles. We know that. But it, regardless, you could have argued that he should have been called up about, oh, I don't know, maybe right before the All-Star break, but it doesn't matter. The White Sox aren't competing. They're losing a lot of ball games right now, and they don't need him. But now they do need him. They need a roster spot filled because Todd Frazier is gone. Here he is, Yoan Mankata. He's on his way up. That's going to be really fun to watch. And look out for him to make a huge impact in the second half of this season. So back to the trade. Blake Rutherford, he's the main part that the, the White Sox are going to get. And the White Sox now have, ready for this, 10 of the top 100 prospects according to MLB Pipeline. 10. They have 10%. Of the best prospects in the nation, the only other team that could come close to saying that is the Atlanta Braves. I believe they have nine. Don't quote me on that one. And not only that, it's not like they have guys that are ranked in the 90s or the 80s. They have guys that are top 50 players. Let's look at it. Ready? Yoan Mankata, number one, and let's go down the line here. Eloy Jimenez, Michael Kopik, Luis Robert, Lucas Giolito, Blake Rutherford, Ronaldo Lopez, Carson Fulmer, Dylan Cease, Zach Collins, good God, I'm out of breath. Are you kidding me? What a list that they have going on for their top 10 prospects. Not to mention, they've got some other good names like Zach Birdie and Luis Basabe as well. So the White Sox do it again. And I don't think they're done. They might not be done. They've already made two moves, so it, you could safely say maybe they are. And if they are, that's fine. They've done more than enough by this trade deadline. They've only been in rebuild mode for about eight, nine months now, and they've already done a tremendous job. Uh, but they still have Melky Cabrera. That is someone they can move. They're not going to get a Blake Rutherford for him. I can't imagine they would. If they did, then Rick Hahn pulls even more voodoo magic than I ever could have imagined. But he's someone that you could get get a prospect in return for that's going to matter. 
that could be an everyday player, potentially maybe a bench player, whatever it is. You should go get something for Melky Cabrera. That's just my opinion. Melky, also a fan favorite. Uh, he's been a little over a 280, I believe, right now. He's someone who could really help a ball club that's going to make a playoff push. So someone someone will make a call. They'll make a call to the White Sox. Meanwhile, the Yankees, with Todd Frazier, David Robertson, and Tommy Canley, we can't forget about them. They're going for it this year. We didn't expect the Yankees to really compete for a playoff spot this year. We thought they were about one year away, if you remember Dan and I talking in, in past episodes. But here they are. Aaron Judge is the MVP. They've got a pretty good lineup. Clint Frazier's finally gotten the call up. He's been playing well. So they're looking for it now, and they have the best bullpen in the majors. I don't really think you can argue it. Chapman, he's had his struggles, but now he has all the help in the world, so there's no excuses uh, between Batances. Now David Robertson, who being in that bullpen will benefit him and not being a closer. And, of course, Tommy Canley, who arguably has been one of the best relievers in the game this year. So you can't deny that the Yankees are here and that it was not a bad move for them necessarily. They have the outfield depth where they get in rid of Rutherford. Yeah, it hurts. Yeah, it does mess with what they've built the past couple years. It's not necessarily what they've been going for. But they're in a situation where they didn't think they would be in. So things change. And if you got to let one go, you got to let one go. And I think getting rid of the 20-year-old is not going to hurt them as much as I originally thought when the trade first went down. I couldn't believe that Rutherford was part of this deal. I didn't think that the Yankees were willing to give up that much because they've worked so hard for it. But say goodbye to your first-round pick from last year because Rutherford is now a Chicago White Sox. And here's the deal. I would say he's got another good two years in the pros. He's only in single A right now, and he's got to work his way up. I can't imagine the White Sox are going to put him anywhere else but single A. Uh, Low A, as that is. I don't think he'll be in high A with Eloy Jimenez where they sent him. But they got a good overall overall around player. Stands at 6'3", 195 pounds. It's a solid young hitter and fielder. All-around player. That's all you can say about Blake Rutherford. And we can't forget, how dare I leave out Ian Clarkin. He's not someone to just forget about. I mean, he's a left-handed pitcher who the White Sox also get in this deal. And it's not a bad get to go grab him as well. Let me see if I can pull up his numbers really quick for all of you listeners out there. Nope, can't seem to find it right now. That's okay. Ian Clarkin, another good ad for the Chicago White Sox. Uh, he was the 17th prospect in the Yankees system, uh, which was a very good system, as we know. So to be anywhere in the top 30 kind of matters for him. Here we go. Here, let me pull it up for you right now. Here we go. Ian Clarkin, he's now the 18th ranked for the Chicago White Sox. So he goes down a notch. Uh-oh. Having a good year. So he's with the he was with the Tampa Yankees, which is single A advanced for New York. He in 14 games, 15 games rather, 14 started, has a 2.62 ERA, 58 strikeouts, 25 walks, 2.54 average against him and a 1.27 whip. Not bad. I can honestly say I don't know a lot about him and I'm learning about him right now. Uh like I said, Rutherford's the big get in this deal and Ian Clarkin's definitely the number 2 get. Uh looks like he has an arsenal of a fastball, curveball, slider, changeup, uh decent control overall. Looks like MLB Pipeline's got him at a 45 overall, which isn't bad. Uh, looks like he could be a bullpen guy and maybe at the best uh, end of the starting rotation. But the way the starting rotation's looking for about 2020 for the Chicago White Sox, I don't see Ian Clarkin making that list unless there's some kind of injury or something like that. 
So just another good get in the deal. Tyler Clippard, he's going to be funny to watch with his big old Googles over there and pitching as a Chicago White Sox. But I've said enough about this trade. If you have any questions for it, please, please, please send us your questions at the Diamond in the Rough podcast at gmail.com. That's where you could send those questions or you can follow us on Twitter at Diamond Podcast or find us on Facebook. Just type in Diamond in the Rough Podcast and you'll see us right there. So send us your questions about these trades. The trades aren't done yet. We are two weeks away from the trade deadline. I'll get into more of that later after this interview with Greg Moore. Again, Greg Moore going to talk about the J.D. Martinez trade that went down yesterday as well that sent him to the Diamondbacks and three prospects going to the Tigers. Greg Moore of the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. Here he is. Joined by Greg Moore, sports writer for the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com to talk about the trade that went down between the Arizona Diamondbacks and the Detroit Tigers yesterday that sent J.D. Martinez over to Arizona to help them make a playoff push. So first off, Greg, of course, thank you very much for joining us. We really do appreciate it. Sure thing, man. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate that. Of course. So I read your article. You had an article out there on azcentral.com about this trade and your thoughts on it. And clearly it makes a statement of a win-now move for the Diamondbacks. So what do you believe that J.D. Martinez brings to this lineup? Yeah, sure. Anybody who wants to read this, right, you can find it on azcentral.com. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at writingmore, more, M-O-O-R-E. Get it? Ha ha. So anyway, (laughs) it's a column that basically, (laughs) right, so it's a column that basically says, I like the move for the philosophy behind the move. You don't always have a shot at the playoffs, right? You can't always stock and store away for the future. Sometimes you've got to take your chance when your chance is there for the taking. If you see a good pitch, swing at that pitch. Don't wait for a better pitch to come along. And I think that is what this move uh, does. So do you believe this gives them enough to surpass the Dodgers even to grab that division? Oh, I mean, who can say, right? Who can say? I think that uh, the Dodgers are on one of those hot streaks that you just you can't see coming. I wonder what are they thirty and four over the last thirty four games? That's that's crazy. So you want to keep pace. Eventually, the Dodgers will cool because no one can stay that hot forever. And you want to be in a good position for when that happens. Also, you just want to qualify for the playoffs. You don't want to lose that wild card. There are teams behind the Diamondbacks that are doing well. The Diamondbacks have hit a dip. And again, this is something that happens. Uh, And so, you know, does it give you enough to catch the Dodgers? I I don't know. I really don't know. I can't say. And, And really, no one can. But what we can say is the Diamondbacks put themselves in the best possible position to take advantage of the hot start. And that's something you've got to praise. Look, the general manager, and again, I wrote this on Arizona Central, or excuse me, azcentral.com, and you can follow me on Twitter, at writing more. Hazen could have done nothing because you could say, hey, look, we've exceeded expectations. We're doing just fine. We're going to just keep it as it is and get ready for the future and business as usual. But he didn't. He adjusted. He said, look, we're contending now. Let's take a swing right now. And I just really like that philosophy. That really seems to be the philosophy that the Diamondbacks have stuck to the past couple years, you know, with the signing of Zach Granke and whatnot. So do you think that the Diamondbacks have any more moves in them before the deadline? Well, so Hazen has said 
I think the quote was irons in the fire. Uh, he said nothing's imminent. But, I mean, you know, what's he going to say? Like, I've got to move right this second. No, I think he's going to keep taking calls. What are there, two weeks before the deadline, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that there's assets on the big league club. I've written uh, that I think A.J. Pollock could bring a lot of value in a trade. People think I'm crazy for this, right? Because Pollock is an all-star talent. He's a young guy. Uh, he leads in advanced metrics. He can do lots of different things on the field. I mean, Pollock is is a ball player, right? But I think the guy has been unlucky, and I think he's been injury-prone, and I think that maybe you worry that that is a trend that continues, and he's one of those guys who just just can't always stay on the field for as much as you'd like for him to. Uh, but, yeah, and, and I think you're stocked in the outfield. I think you've also got some guys who filled in admirably in his absence, and I don't think it's a crazy thing to take what you've got to get what you need. So I think that there could be more coming. There could be more coming. Now, that's one of the more interesting takes that I've definitely heard you say about A.J. Pollock. Like you said, that's definitely the minority of everyone's thoughts. Everyone loves Pollock, but, you know, he's he's plenty of injuries. Think about it this way, though, right? If you're a team that you're not L.A., you're not New York, you're not Boston, right? There's certain clubs that have advantages that other clubs don't have, and that puts you in a position where you've got to think a little bit differently, and you've also got to take some chances here and there. And I do understand that it's it's a chance that you're taking, right? Because Pollock, hey, right, let's be honest about this. This guy could go to the Hall of Fame. I know it's super-duper early to say that, right? But let's just, let's just say we're taking worst-case scenarios. We're taking the thought experiment all the way out as far as we could take it do you really want to be the guy who traded away somebody who you know is mvp caliber can do it in the field can do it with the bat well but the other way to look at it is you know one year he gets hit with a pitch and he breaks his hand another year he has a muscle issue he comes back uh, from that and then he gets hurt right back again he got tweaked the thing in spring training then he got hurt again this year then he goes to the minor leagues and he's in a rehab start and he tweaks it again and everybody's being cautious right everybody's saying you know no this is a minor thing and this is this is something that happens to athletes but some guys just can't stay on the field, and I'm afraid that that's the reality with him. And so if that's the case, his trade value will never be higher than it is right now. He gets back up to the big league club. He you know, makes a big splash. I want to say he had a home run and two steals in his first game back. I, I'd have to look that up. I can't recall specifically. So, again, I understand that I'm in the minority there. But if you're just thinking about it from an assets perspective, a very cold, calculated way of looking at it, there's a case to be made, I believe, that this could – this could benefit the team both in the short haul and in the long run. So going off of that and back to this trade with J.D. Martinez, do you think, this is clearly a rental because his contract's up at the end of the season, but is there a chance the Diamondbacks sign him to a long-term deal? Oh, I don't know, right? I mean, there's always a chance, right? There's always a chance. But um, I think that Hazen has said, and the thing that I like to, to that, that, that I um, appreciate the most about what the J.D. Martinez move is all about is that it's about the now, right? It's about the now. You, you saw Kung Fu Panda, right? What's the line? One of my favorite yesterday. movies. Absolutely. <laughs> a mystery. Yeah. <laughs> yesterday is a mystery. No, yesterday is history. Tomorrow, Tomorrow is, is a mystery. mystery. Oh, that, right? that's a great line. But to, today is a gift, and that's why it's called the present. Right. And so you've got to take this opportunity now. Seize the day. uh, Get it while the getting's good. I mean, there's a million different cliches that all speak to the same point. But when you see your pitch, you have to swing. And that's that's what's happening here. Well, I definitely can't argue with that. So real quick, I know you're on a time crunch, so we're going to let you go. But maybe just a couple more questions for you. There's three prospects that the Diamondbacks sent over. They're not known. 
to have one of the better farm systems currently, but they didn't. It seems like they didn't give up much. Dawell Lugo, Sergio Alcantara, and Jose King, all corner infielders, third base and shortstop, and all have raw talent and potential, but it, it just, I don't know, in my mind, it doesn't feel like the Diamondbacks gave up any of their big names like Pavin Smith or John Duplantier. They got to hold on to those guys, so uh, what's your take on those three prospects and the reason for the Diamondbacks being able to let them go with ease? Well, if you eat potential for uh, if you eat potential for dinner, you'll be hungry, right? And I think what we're talking about right now is the now. Um, I've not seen these guys play, right? And I know that uh, it's always a good thing to have a stocked and loaded farm system. I, I get that, but we're not talking about potential right now. We're talking about now, right now. And I just I just trust that this is the right philosophy. Whether the move pans out, whether these guys become all timers, like you, you never can know these things. You never can know. But it is the kind of thing that you want to see happen. If you're a fan of a contending team, you don't want to stand pat. You want to try to improve. And it seems like they've done that. Now, before we let you go, I'm gonna ask you the impossible question, which I think I know your answer, but is twenty seventeen the year for the Diamondbacks? Well, <laughs> is, this, is this it? This is the year that they finally make it and, you know, surprise some people because it happens every year. It always seems there's one team. Sure, sure. And again, um, I'm, I'm Greg Moore of the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. You can find my work on azcentral.com. Uh, I'm also at writing more M-O-O-R-E on Twitter. Is this the year for the Diamondbacks? I mean, who can know? But you've put yourself in a great position if you're the Diamondbacks. You've gotten off to the best start. Uh, in, in team history by the break you you are you know in command in a wild card race and if you get in the postseason anything can happen so i think the dodgers are just terrific right now i think the washington nationals of course are always going to be a dangerous team as presently constructed and then if you do advance right then you've got to deal with the houston astros i mean again who can say but what i can say is they're going for it and from a philosophical standpoint i really agree with that well, like you said, joined by Greg Moore. You can find him on Twitter, at writingmore. He works for azcentral.com, the Arizona Republic. Do you think that this core is going to be intact for a few more years? In other words, is Goldschmidt going to be a Diamondback for at least the next five seasons, can we say? Well, I mean, I don't see why you'd move him. I think he's kind of one of those cornerstone guys. I think he's somebody who identifies uh, as a Diamondback. I think that he's got most all-star appearances uh, in team history where he's tied for it. He's climbing all of the lists, right? Home runs, RBIs, all, all the counting stats. You, you're, he's climbing all those lists. Uh, so I think that if you were to try to swing a trade for Goldschmidt, you, you know, you, you'd face backlash. You'd also be hard-pressed to find somebody who could, you know, replicate his value. Uh, so I don't see him moving. But then again, you know, things change. Who knows, man? Who knows? Well, it sure seems like 2017 is going to be a good finish for the Diamondbacks. Let's hope J.D. Martinez is the real deal for them and continues his all-star ways. I know, actually, you know, I, I'm pushing for him. I'm, I'm hoping for the Diamondbacks myself. So, again, Greg, thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. I really do appreciate it. And I have a feeling there's going to be another move for the Diamondbacks. So I hope you don't mind. We might have to give you a ring one more time before this deadline's over. No, it sounds great, man. Thank you for your time and thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Everybody was kung fu fighting. Those kids were fast as lightning. In fact, it was a little... Again, that was Greg Moore of the Arizona Republic. 
and azcentral.com. Find his work on there. He's got some great stuff. I read his articles all the time. Uh, very knowledgeable about the Diamondbacks and anything Arizona sports and the Phoenix Suns or the Arizona Cardinals or whoever you're fans of over there. He's the man to talk to. You can follow him on Twitter, as you heard, at writing more. What a good pun he's talking about there. Bringing up Kung Fu Panda, one of my favorite movies out there as well. So, again, we thank him for coming on the show. We might have to talk to him again. The Diamondbacks might not be done. And real quick, I'll, I'll give my thoughts on this trade about J.D. going to the Diamondbacks. I think it's a great move. I think it helps the Diamondbacks out a lot. But more importantly that, than that, you heard you heard Greg talk all about him and what he's about and what he's going to bring to the Diamondbacks, which is a lot, and help them really make a deep playoff push. I want to talk about the guys that went to the Tigers. The Tigers are finally sitting there and saying, well, we need a rebuild. We knew it. We knew they were going to trade J.D. Martinez. That was basically going to be a fact. Uh, it was a matter of what they were going to get in return for a rental for only half the season. We'll see if J.D. re-signs with the Diamondbacks. I imagine he's going to cost a pretty penny uh, anytime he's healthy. And I say healthy because he's you know he's had some injury troubles this season and last season. Uh, he's a hell of a talent. Uh, this year he comes in, he's hit 16 home runs. He was banned a 305. Uh, an OPS over, you know, over a thousand, you know, something crazy out there. So he's, he's been really good. And I think he's going to benefit that Diamondbacks lineup a lot. And they're looking pretty scary right now. The whole National League West is just a, a whole scary division. But the guys that went to the Tigers, the Diamondbacks don't necessarily have the best farm system. We all knew that. Them and the Angels, you know, everyone usually ranks them the, the bottom tier of farm systems just because they've, they've both traded a lot away. Uh, and, and in this deal, they traded away Dawel Lugo, who was the fourth overall best prospect for the Diamondbacks. Sergio Alcantara, who was the 15th best overall po- uh, prospect for the Diamondbacks. And Jose King, who was a young 18-year-old who they just signed last season, uh, who's still playing in rookie ball. And it, we're still on chapter one with him. We don't know a lot about Jose King besides the fact that he's a, a small guy. He's about six foot, I think 165 pounds only. Um... He's a contact hitter, no home runs in 74 games at rookie ball yet. So he's got a lot of work to do. The two guys I really want to focus on right now, of course, though, are the two main guys. Dawel Lugo, who was signed in 2011 by the Toronto Blue Jays, actually, and then moved to Arizona, and now on the move once again to the Detroit Tigers. He's 22 years old, and he's a, you know, he's a good talent. Uh, there's no question about it. More so than anything, I think he's just depth. That's all he is. He's a third baseman, uh, and that's all you're really getting with him. I don't think he could eventually be an everyday starter, uh, mainly because he's he's a good fielder. He protects the hot corner very well uh, with a hell of an arm. You So you can't deny that about him. His hitting's pretty good in double-A with the Jackson Generals this season. Uh, Band at 282 with seven home runs, 43 RBI, a 325 on base percentage and a 753 OPS. So not bad. At the double A level, that's pretty good. He's not going to be a superstar, though. The Tigers, as they're going to begin this rebuild, they need to take a, a page out of the White Sox book and go after those big, big names. I thought, even though JD Martinez is a rental, let's get something clear here. JD Martinez, who is just as talented talented as a lot of the outfielders out there. The reason they didn't get as much for him is simply because he's a rental. His contract is up at the end of 2017, and like I said, he's going to cost you a pretty penny that I actually think the Diamondbacks will end up giving up. I think that uh, he'll impress them enough 
for this half a season that he'll be sticking around in Arizona. Uh, that's why Lugo is the best thing that the Tigers got. He automatically goes into their system as their 11th best prospect. So already, he's not the big guy they're looking for. They were looking for depth. They were looking for quantity over quality on this trade. And that's what they got. Because they also got Sergio Alcantara, who I really want to dig into with you right now. One of my favorite talents, simply because, as you know, working for the Kane County Cougars, I did get to see Sergio Alcantara play last year. He played uh, a little over 50 games before he got the call up to Visalia, the high A team for the Diamondbacks. He was fun to watch, especially fielding. Just like Lugo, uh, his best asset is definitely his arm. He's a, a, a bona fide shortstop, without question. I don't think you move him. Uh, his glove's pretty good. He works really fast, so sometimes he gets ahead of himself, I noticed. Uh, but his arm, it is a rocket. He could throw anyone out from any which way. You know, you saw the Nolan Arnado when he's laying on the ground. That's the kind of play I believe Sergio Alcantara can make, uh, especially when he's, you know, more ready, pro-ready. He's only 21 years old currently. Hitting-wise, average hitter. No doubt an average hitter. A contact hitter. Uh, batting a 279 this year for Fisalia, 95 hits, 44 runs. At his best, he's a switch hitter prospect. At Sergio's best, if you hope to get everything you can out of him, he's going to be a shortstop with a glove, potential gold glove winner. I'm not going to throw that at him just yet uh, because he's a long, long, long ways from that. He could be a good leadoff hitter, though, for you. That's the kind of guy you hope he turns into, someone who... He's going to get on base a lot. He's going to steal some bases. He's got some decent speed, 11 stolen bases on the year. And someone who more so is going to lock down the shortstop position better than most can. So that's what you're getting out of Sergio. And then I already mentioned Jose King. Again, quantity over quality. He was someone to add. He's only 18 years old. So, of course, you're going to take a raw talent like that. I think Sergio Alcantara is one of the better raw talents out there. Uh, probably top two or three raw talent for the Tigers. Now, I want you to understand that I'm putting the the efficiency on raw there because that's what he is, and he's got a lot of work to do, Um, but very much could so. You know, it's going to take a lot of coaching, and of course, you know, you got to get the the work ethic out of the player, but that's the trade right there. Dawel Lugo, Sergio Alcantara, and Jose King begins the rebuild process for the Tigers. We'll see if Justin Verlander's on the move. They still might trade him before the deadline. There's a lot of rumors about the Cubs, but the Cubs already made a big deal for Quintana, so you imagine that they're out of the race. Um, we'll see if the Dodgers maybe get in on that. The Dodgers are looking for another starting pitcher. They have some prospects to give up. Uh, well, we're going to have to wait and see as far as that goes. But the Tigers, they finally make a move. They finally begin their rebuild. Good for them to finally realize that they kind of stunk it up the past couple of years. Or they were up, down, up, down. It's such a shame, too, because... When they were at their peak, the Tigers were so good. With Verlander winning Cy Youngs, Miguel Cabrera winning Triple Crowns, they were a fun team to watch. And they were hoping to hold on to that and go for it one last time by signing Justin Upton and making things happen. And having J.D. Martinez, who of course they don't have anymore. But unfortunately for them, it didn't quite work out and let the rebuild process begin. Sorry Detroit fans, it's going to be a few years of some bad baseball you're going to be watching. And they need to go get some big prospects. They aren't even close to being done or even close to getting the names that they need to to be able to compete and say, oh, I don't know, five, six seasons or four seasons or whatever their goals are. So before I end this podcast, I do want to talk a little more about the trade deadline. We've talked a lot about it. We're going to continue to update you here 
on the Diamond in the Rough podcast. Again, I'm Sam Ostrowski. I was joined by Greg Moore today of the azcentral.com and the Arizona Republic. Again, thank you for his time today. I am going solo today. I am without my co-host, Dan Collins. He couldn't make it, unfortunately. Of course, you'll hear from him later. There's too much trade deadline stuff to not talk about. I want to talk a little bit about Sonny Gray, someone I've talked a little bit about before. He pitches today, if I'm not mistaken, against the Tampa Bay Rays. And you better believe there's going to be scout on scouts out there because he's got to be the number one target for most people that are looking for a pitcher. He's under control until 2020, which is huge. It's no longer about these rentals. Of course, we just saw a rental go in JD, but teams are more so looking for control. If they're going to give up one of their top prospects, they want a player that they know they're going to have for the rest of the season and at least a couple years beyond that. That's very important to teams now, and they realize they can't be giving up these huge names just to have a guy for half a season. Just go ask the Oakland Athletics when they got Jeff Samarja and Jason Hamill for half a year, and both of them left, and they got rid of, as we see, Chicago Cub, Addison Russell, who could be a future MVP if he could get, you know, get his act together. Uh, he hasn't been playing that well this season, but besides that point, that's where we're at. Teams are looking for control. Sonny Gray has the control. We saw what Quintana, what was given up for Quintana, uh, two fairly big names, and I'm very excited to see what happens. We'll see if the Houston Astros get on that talk. I already told you the Dodgers. Uh, I'm telling you, I, I said it the last episode, I, I can't help but feel that the Astros, who don't want to give up too much, they're being a little stingy. Uh, I think they're willing to give up Kyle Tucker, which is a big enough name to get other teams excited uh, and we'll see if the if it's enough to go get Sonny Gray uh, to be determined on that. Like I said, we're going to keep you updated on the trade deadline. All these prospects are going away. Uh, for any of you Tiger fans out there that had no idea who the hell you got, because I guarantee that's half the fans out there, uh, considering they aren't big names at all. I hope I helped you ease your mind a little bit with who you got. Again, I'll say it for a third time. It was definitely a quantity over quality deal. So two big deals go down. Talk about the White Sox and Yankees deal. The White Sox continue to build the best farm system I've seen in years, and they are going to be competing probably by 2020. Yohan Makata, he's up, he's ready, he's a beast. I can't wait to watch him today. I'm so excited uh, to finally see him in a White Sox uniform and start playing. And I know my guy Dan Collins over there is too. And then same with this Diamondbacks trade. Can't wait to see what JD does. Can't wait to see what my old Kane County guys do in the Detroit system. Uh, and see how they work their way up. There's a lot to look forward to and a lot more trades to come. I thank you, the listener, for listening to my voice way too long as I went solo today. Um, again, I'm going to thank him one more time. Thanks for Greg Moore. Catch him on Twitter at Writing More. He's got great stuff, uh, fantastic reads, and he's always up to date. He's always current. And how's about his theory? One more thing, his theory about A.J. Pollock. I, I've yet to hear any Diamondback fans go out there and say, Let's trade A.J. Pollock. It's a very interesting take because you imagine even though he gets uh, he gets hurt a lot, um, he's a hell of a player. A.J. Pollock does it all. He's already got about 14 stolen bases in his short period of time he's played this year, and all he does is make contact on the ball. He's the perfect leadoff hitter who adds power and a great glove in center field. So that's an interesting name to think about, especially with the addition of another outfielder for the Diamondbacks. They're currently set. I mean, they got David Peralta. JD, and of course, AJ Pollock for right now. I don't see them moving him. That seems like something Dimex don't want to do. They're pretty committed to him. But if they do, that return better be pretty good. And you better, you bet your ass if it does go down. I'm calling up Greg Moore one more time to talk to him about it and, you know, let, let him brag a little bit about 
him being right on AJ. So to be determined on that, that's going to be an interesting scenario that plays out. Diamondbacks probably aren't done. Need bullpen help. The White Sox aren't done. Probably trading Melky. We'll see. Other teams come at us. We're so excited. I'm so pumped up about this trade deadline. Again, you've heard me enough. Thank you for listening. Episode 20 of the Diamond in the Rough Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Diamond Podcast. Find us on Facebook, Diamond in the Rough Podcast. Or send us an email. Send us your theories. I loved hearing the AJ Pollock theory today. I want to hear what else, you know, I want to hear what else is out there, what people are thinking, because there's always surprises every trade deadline of someone whose name wasn't really out there. So Diamond in the Rough Podcast at gmail.com. That's where you can send your questions. Send us your questions on Facebook or Twitter too, if you want, whichever you prefer, whichever outlet you prefer. Uh, I'm Sam Ostrowski for Dan Collins, who we'll hear from later. And until we see you on episode 21, where more things go down, we'll, we'll have more to talk about. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.